from Vinebeard's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter. I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vinebeard Podcast. And uh, Zach, you seem to have survived a heat wave, and now we are experiencing a heat wave. Uh, you doing okay, buddy? I I, I am, yeah. It was uh, a, an incredibly delightful 65 and cloudy this morning here in Seattle after um, we set an all-time high on Sunday and then uh, beat it by five degrees on Monday. So yay, us, hooray. No, it's funny. You know, I, this is a, a question for maybe the both of you to ponder too really quick when it comes to extreme heat. Like it definitely got to a point on Sunday and Monday where I was like, I don't even want to drink. Like normally I always pretty much want to have a drink in the afternoon and evening. And Sunday I was like, I can't even like no, only water sounded good to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, fortunately that, that kind of temperature is uh, as of yet, not very common, but uh, do you guys get, when it gets that hot, is it just like, I can't even think about having a, a drink? Um, No, I'm not in that position. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I think something. I mean, like, like I want like good. a cold beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I want like something like sure. super refreshing. Yes. But I agree. I agree with you though. When it does get like super hot, I just want water. Um, Cause also, you know, alcohol dehydrates. For sure. Um, which is not fun, but it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of people who are, were a little bum when they looked at the uh, forecast and that it was supposed to, you know, be really, really, really hot. I mean, be really rainy this weekend are probably like, well, maybe that's a, not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it would be a nice relief after what you guys are going through right now. It's not fun, man. You know, it, it is not fun. Um, but in the meantime, what have you been drinking? Well, for me, I think the the thing that I had most recently is I had a couple of um, Chardonnays um, recently that are I both think really exceptional. And one is from Philippe Pacolet, who's a producer in, in Burgundy, mm. uh, the Pliny Montrachet. Mm. So my wife and I have this very fun, I think, um, tradition, I guess, as it is. So, so when we were dating... Um, you know, Caitlin was like, I think it's silly. And I mean, I agreed with her to the most part. She's like, why is it that, you know, if we get engaged, you get me a ring and, you know, I don't get you anything. Like, yes, I understand historically, but like, you know, frankly, she makes a lot more money than me. So she could certainly buy me something. And I was like, well, I don't want a ring. Um, and so we decided that if we got engaged, which we obviously did and then got married, uh, that she would give me a case of wine. And then our um, tradition has been to open up one bottle a year on the anniversary of our engagement, which is was June 28th. Uh, of the wine. And so she talked to the proprietors at the wine shop that I frequented and um, they helped her pick out a case of wine, which was mostly successful. There were one or two wines in there that I was like, "Eh, I don't know that I would have bought this if it was me, but that's cool. And uh, so that was the wine we opened for that, which was delicious. And then uh, the day before it had a Chardonnay from uh, Remy Wine Cellars, which is in Healdsburg in Sonoma. Uh, They're like Sonoma Coast uh, Chardonnay and both beautiful wines, beautiful expressions of a variety that I really like um, with some similarities, like kind of richness, but not too oily, um, you know, fruit ripeness, but not over ripeness, but like the befitting the Sonoma Coast Chardonnay, it's got a little more saltiness and you have a lot more kind of earthiness and savory notes in the Burgundy. So those were kind of the two things I had recently that I really, really enjoyed. Um, Joanna, what about you? I finally had a hard seltzer smoothie. Oh, talk about not particularly and? refreshing beverage. <laughs> it was it was quite thick and um, but also effervescent. Oh, and oh. fruity and a little <laughs> a little bit bitter. Um, oh, interesting. But yeah, it was a very interesting thing. In in one case, there was like um, coconut cream in it. 
Um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting thing I got to try recently. And I also had my first, um, high noon <laughs> recently. Wow. You just like, you just like went all like all seltzer this weekend. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really into trying new RTDs, um, recently, just checking them out. So the high noon was really good. I, I enjoyed it. It was, um, I'm not big on hard seltzer myself, but the high noon for whatever reason was more flavorful and better for me. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally had my first hard seltzer smoothie too. No, really? Yeah. I had it on Saturday. Smooge. I had smooge too. I had the exact one I think you said you had. What did you think? I could only drink like three sips yeah. of it. it. I don't – it was like it was weird. It was weird. It was like really tasty. Mm-hmm. And yet I was also like I can't drink more of this. Right. You know, it's like I – it tasted like a – Hard seltzer pina colada. Right. It was weird. Kind of weird. <laughs> it was so weird. And I was like, is this what the kids are into nowadays? Maybe. This is like not my thing. It's but not my thing. Yeah. You know, it was it was uh it was an experience to say the least. But yeah, then I had uh some other really fun beverages since it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you know, it's it's okay that you forgot. <laughs> we wish you a happy yeah, birthday last time, man. <laughs> I know. I, Are you one of these like I month. have a whole birthday month? People? No, no, no. <laughs> okay, but we had uh, we had some really nice cocktails. Um, some people brought like really good pre-made like rum drinks and stuff, which were pretty delicious. And then we also en- enjoyed some smooge. <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird. And then. The funniest thing is we I'd had this like magnum of uh, wine that I'd been saving for a while. It was a magnum of Tobles Creek actually. Um, oh. And I really, you know, had been excited to open it and we did and it was pretty dead. And I was just oh. like, oh. It's so funny. We I was just talking to someone about this the other day about how I think on the podcast we have generally encouraged people to just yeah. go ahead and open the wines, you know, unless you are really, really dead set on on collecting and saving Cause like, yeah, then you end up with a situation where you potentially have a wine you've been looking forward to forever. And then it just kind of doesn't deliver. And that sucks. It's not, it's no one's fault really, but it's still a big bummer. Right. So like, it's a massive bummer. You're like, come on, man, this is not cool. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, definitely kind of a bummer to, uh, for, for it not to have been as alive as I wanted it to be. Um, yeah. but otherwise, you know, it was, it was a fun birthday and, uh, delicious beverages were consumed. Have you been sure. to Tablas Creek? I have. It was an awesome experience. Yeah, that's a place I'd like to go. I've never been. It was a really awesome experience. Checking out their nursery was super cool. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. I have a question before we get into our topic for Zach. Okay. How is your paper plane riffing coming? Oh, that's a really good question. So I have not yet done what I said I would do last week because, as mentioned, my prime a lot of my prime cocktail in particular consumption is a weekend thing and and as mentioned was too hot to think about (laughs) anything that especially like a you know like a relatively heavy cocktail but uh but the plan actually uh for tonight after we record at some point is to try one with some uh dry curacao as the sort of ingredient that maybe will bring balance back to the cocktail so i will you you all you all stay well you know i got a, a lot of home bar ingredients, so I got to find something to use them for. And um, as as I've become like you guys, more inclined towards like a margarita that doesn't have a lot of like orange liqueur in it, I got to figure out something to do with the <laughs> with the dry curacao. And so maybe this will be a good outlet for it because I certainly would drink a lot of this cocktail if I can quite if I can dial it all the way in. But we'll see. Cool. So Zach, you want to kick us off our, off our topic for this week? 
I do. So I was, I this starts do. out, <laughs> well, you know, you asked me to, and I'm prepared, Adam. <laughs> I'm glad, go. Plus, we got to get ready. You're going to be a MIA in a couple of weeks. So, you know, someone's got to get the... I think you're really excited that I'm not going <laughs> to, that, that I have a vacation coming up. Or sorry, not really a vacation, but a work trip. Yeah, I, I like mean, I'm just pumped. excited for you because, you know, your work trips always uh, are fruitful for the company. So, you know, it has nothing to do with, uh, <laughs> with it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, and also, Joanna and I wanting a little more. GTFO. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Um, anyhow, so uh, so what I was curious about and the, the topic that I want to talk about today is, so um, it, it started with sort of a, th- a thought about um, Top Chef because um, one of the contestants who's uh, near the end of the competition, this go around is from Seattle and someone I know a little bit. And I, so I've been paying some attention as opposed to, I'm not like a big Top Chef fan. I think I watched a couple of the early seasons and, you know, cooking competition shows have been, I, I like, I was a huge Iron Chef fan when I was a kid because mm-hmm. I was a weird kid. But, um, <laughs> but as an adult, I just, I, I, you know, they haven't been as, as interesting to me um, or just I haven't had the time for them or something. But it made me think like, you know, why is it that, you know, whether it's competition oriented, um, potentially with like cocktails or, or even, you know, some something wine or beer focused, or even just sort of as a subject matter for a show, why has why have drinks struggled so much to crack into television when, you know, we are a lot, I mean, there are not only literally channels devoted to, to food, but but even outside of that, there are so many shows that have food at the center, whether it's travel, whether it's, um, you know, competitions, whether it's just how to's, and yet there's almost none of that in the drink space. And, and so I, I don't know, I mean, I, I have some theories, but, but I would be curious And Joanna, since, you know, you kind of have a lot of experience on the food side and have seen, certainly, I'm sure, you know, how the, the success of these, um, these shows have, you know, driven celebrity and driven just interest in food. Like why, why do you think it is that drinks have not been able to kind of get into, into this world? Yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking about this. I, I there are just so so many food shows and and baking shows specifically that I just I think they're just mesmerizing to people and have a wider entry point for people perhaps. Um I think there's also something about dishes coming together and cakes and things like that coming together too that is really compelling and then and then also I think like you said, the competition style or the gamification of these things, I think is really compelling for people to watch too. And yeah, competing with competing against other professionals or, you know, um, people in the space is, is really interesting to watch. And I think it also just happened with the rise of food mm-hmm. media. People are got really into it in the last mm-hmm. five, 10 years. Oh, at least 10. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Iron Chef was kind of the first one. Ah, oh, cuisine! So good. I love Iron Chef. I mean, I think, so as someone who used to watch the Food Network before they would go to bed in college. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I was always really into food media. Um, and I I do think that I have a really weird uh, sort of firsthand amount of knowledge in this because actually Keith... Uh, and I, Keith, who is our tasting director, did actually shoot a pilot of a drink show for the Food Network. Tell us more. Which not many, not people, <laughs> not many people know. Yeah. Um, so well before Vine Pair, uh, Keith, I was you know in the music industry actually, and Keith um, 
owned a wine shop and a restaurant in the East Village. And he and I came up with this idea for this music series called Vivo and Vino. I had all these record industry contacts. Um, he had a restaurant. You know, Sunday nights were not the most lucrative in the restaurant business in New York City. And so he was like, well, what if we just like shut down the restaurant on Sunday nights? You book these big bands and they play these intimate shows. And basically the whole, the whole idea from my, my point of view had come from you know, my recognition that people basically in the music business really missed those small shows they played when they were, mm-hmm. you know, baby bands, basically, right? You know, as you're trying to make it, you would start playing these rooms of 20 people, then 100 people, then 150 people. And then ultimately, you'd start playing 500,000, 2,000 person shows. They just never felt the same, right? And a lot of bands miss that 100 person feel. And so we packed like 75 to 100 people into his restaurant, mm-hmm. probably wow. against fire code. <laughs> And we were like, how are we going to pay for this? And so the way we figured it out was we we're like, well, what if we sort of sell tickets, but we also bring on a sponsor and, you know, we're both into wine. So what if we make this sponsor a wine brand and they come in and basically halfway through the set, we have a conversation about the wine. So we're combining like teaching people about wine, demystifying wine with like awesome music. Um, and that's how it started. And, you know, lo and behold, a person that I knew who was a producer in LA heard about it and was mm-hmm. like, have you ever tried, have you ever thought about doing a show about alcohol? Mm. And I was like, no, but I love food TV. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we could do this. And so the concept of juiced was, which is what they named it, not <laughs> Keith and I, was that we would, you know, travel around the world sort of experiencing, you know, beverage and people's cultures and, uh, you know, getting to know people. It was kind of like, it was sort of like no reservations. It was also, we were, we were trying to like demystify things. And this was really mm-hmm. at the time when no reservations was just becoming popular. Sure. Um, it was still on the travel channel. Actually, I actually don't even think it was called no reservations. It was still called parts unknown, right? No. Oh no. So, sorry. It was called no reservations. Then it became parts unknown when it went to CNN. So like it was, and it was just becoming something. Um, and so she was at the time producing at a company uh, that was run by a pretty famous uh, editor, named Angus Wall. And so they basically, along with some other producers, came together to like produce this show. And it was a really interesting experience. Like the whole time, what we d- thought we were doing was producing really engaging TV, but we kept hearing from everyone, you know, drinks don't work on TV. Drinks don't work mm-hmm. on TV. Hmm. And we kept being like, well, why? Like we're, we're, you know, like we're coming up with really fun episodes and this is going to be such a blast and all this shit. And basically – well, drinks don't work on TV. Well, do you have any proof of that? No, we don't, but drinks don't work on TV. And the biggest thing we heard is that, you know, one of the reasons drinks don't work on TV is so many of them, you know, sort of go back to the traditional way that food TV works, which is they actually talk about dishes, right? So, and what we were, what we were actually proposing with Juice, and actually what we, I think we've done pretty successfully with some of the stuff we shot for Vine Pair, is actually it's more cultural. Like the beverage is not the center. We're not going to sit there sniffing the, the wine and talking about the aromas and things like that. I mean, look, I know some, some TV exists at this point in time. I don't know how many subscribers it has. Um, you know, there's a lot of that there, right? The some movies where they're actually, you know, giving tasting notes. And the reason that producers would tell us that drinks don't work on TV is because when you shoot the show like that, which is the way most people shoot it, because those are the kinds of experts you're getting consumers are completely lost. Whereas on a on Rachel Ray, let's use her example, or Jamie Oliver, right? When they're cooking a pork chop, you this is the little example that was given to us when we were like in the middle of pitching the show. 
you know what a pork shop tastes like. Mm-hmm. You may not know what the spices that they are using taste like, but you have the general idea of what a pork shop tastes like. And so you are able to then sort of start to imagine what spicy pork chop could be, even if you're never going to actually taste that dish in your life or what, you know, salmon with teriyaki sauce could be. You take the salmon from, you know, your experiences with salmon and the teriyaki and like you can somewhat understand it. And then also cooking just in general is much more visual. There's a lot of things happening. There's fire, there's searing, there's, you know, saute, there's all that shit that you're doing that's more fun to watch. Even just like chopping and stuff like that. Yeah, there's action, right? And we like action. You you need to see something happening. So what Juice was, was not that, right? It was like we threw parties, we went and hung out with people, and we talked about like people's backgrounds. And it was much more of a no reservations thing. But yeah. So, unfortunately, so, so we went, we shot, we shot a pilot, we shot it like, so the whole idea behind the pilot, which was kind of funny is like Keith and I were like throwing a fun party for our friends at like a house that a, a buddy owned in the Hamptons. Of course. Okay. Keith and I don't know anyone in the Hamptons. <laughs> we didn't have anyone that like, but you know, this is, this is also, you get behind the scenes of like how they're doing it in LA is how they're producing it all. Right. So they, you know, we, they found this house that had this amazing saltwater pool and we we shipped actually all of our friends out to the Hamptons. They chartered buses and put them all out there. Nice. And uh, Keith and I are then like planning for the party. We're like we want to bring some New York. And of course, also what's also funny is like when you're working with people who are based in LA, like what they think of is like what is very New York. It's like yeah, we're gonna have you and Keith hailing a taxi cab, and you're gonna like go to the Hamptons <laughs> in a cab. You know, it's just like all that stuff. That you're like, oh I guess this is actually how they make TV. But I didn't yeah. really realize any of these things. So we we go to Astoria first. After meeting at Keith's restaurant, being like, oh, let's let's throw a fun party in the Hamptons. We go to Astoria and we find Keith's favorite uh, souvlaki truck. Okay. And because we were trying to do the whole like – the whole purpose of this episode was like high-low. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's why they wanted the Hamptons. And so like we get the souvlaki truck and we take the souvlaki truck out to the Hamptons. And we oh take the people who own the souvlaki truck wine tasting with us first at two wineries, which okay. was really fun actually because it was these like amazing, you know – uh, the, this, this amazing mother and her daughter, and they'd never been to wineries before, but they loved wine. And it was, it was just oh, like cool. such a really fun experience to take them to, at the time, Shin Estates. Now go, I need to know if we can find this in like yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the Food Network archives. No, you can't. It never aired. So then uh, I'm, I'm going to get there. So then like we have all those, uh, we, we, we shoot all this stuff. Then we go to this party. And the whole point of the party is that, like we're pouring these, this really great wine, but we're pouring it out of carafes. And so no one knows what the wine is and everyone's interacting with the wine and we're walking around and, and then our friends from the souvlaki truck are making souvlaki for everyone and we're in this beautiful backyard and blah, blah, blah. And we're all just having a great time and everyone's just hanging out and talking and asking wine questions, asking food questions. And we had the food in there to, you know, have it more visual. And then at the end of the, like of the episode, you know, someone's like, so Keith, what's the wine? And I bring out these boxes. And it's like, you were drinking boxed wine. Uh, and then Keith jumps in the pool. <laughs> it's like so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. So we we then had the fun experience of selling the show. So you you go down to this, you know, upfront basically, um, or you know, whatever. You you take your pilot and your sizzle and you you go and you go around and you try to sell it. Um so we went to this big conference in DC where like AE is there and you know, travel channels there, and like we met with the producer who had bought no reservations, all that stuff, and we wind up, you know getting connected with this really nice guy uh, who was connected to was, was at the food network. Now I think he's at Bravo. Um, and he was interested and he's like, cool. Like, we'll, you know, we'll take it, you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll think about airing this. By the way, we have a few shows ahead of you. One of which was called beer chicks. 
Um, okay. Which is like, what were they thinking? Uh, and it was it was hosted wow, by that the makes women. Juice sound good. <laughs> I know. It was like, oh, like I was just. I mean, you know, but again, so you think about it. Like every time I think about why why beverage has failed on TV, I mm-hmm. think yeah, these people have some good points, but then they also seriously just fucking shit the bed. <laughs> like yeah. the worst names, the yeah. worst ideas. They probably had great personalities that would have been so engaging on television, but they just like overdid it because they're so scared that beverage is going to fail on TV. And so this one was hosted by two women who I think at the time were at the iconic uh, restaurant in Los Angeles, Father's Office. Mm -hmm. Okay. Running like the beverage program and Father's Office was well known to have great beer. And so it was like, you know, this whole idea and it just, it bombed. They, they aired it a few times. It never got viewership. And basically uh, we were told by, you know, the producer at, at, you know, if we don't work, we're just sorry, guys. Like we, you know, we tried it; it didn't work, and we're not really going to take the risk anymore. Mm. And that was it. And I know people have tried in the past. You know, there's like we only really think Stanley Tucci shows are going to be popular, like yeah. talking about wine. But then you do see some shows that have these crazy followings, like the show The Wine Show. You know, that's yeah. you know, but it's British, and I don't know, and a lot of Americans actually don't know it. I don't know. You it. know, so. And it's uh, it's it's like who who are the host? It's like Jacob uh, Matthew Reese. I think Matthew Good is his name. Yeah, no, Matthew Reese and Matthew Good are the two oh, hosts. That's right. That's okay. right. It's the two Matthews, right? And I love Matthew Reese because I love the Americans. Me too. <laughs> but it like but it does well because these are but they happen actors. to be very yeah. yeah I mean just like very handsome actors who are also who also love wine. Right, so Wait, you're telling me that wasn't your sell- the selling point for you and Keith. <laughs> Look, I like to think I'm handsome, but I, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm not an actor, and uh, also, well, Naomi says I'm handsome, and also, um, that's all that matters. Yeah, and also, you know, I, yeah, we're not celebrities, and so I think that's why that show works. But yeah. I guess the 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 thing of it is, I think one of the reasons it doesn't work on TV is because there are too few producers willing to try it. If that's sure. it, the, my long way of answering your question, I, I yeah. think that ultimately it could work, but people are really scared to take the risk. That's an interesting thought and, and one that I had considered. I want, I want to bounce a couple of additional possibilities off the two of you. So one of them that occurred to me is that, and this comes back a little bit to what you were saying, Adam, about how, you know, everyone's had a pork chop and everyone mm-hmm. kind of can imagine what a pork chop tastes like. And so everything you do to that is you know, kind of, yeah, you might not know all the flavors, but you can at least, you know, go, go start from somewhere. And I think part of it is that like, whether it's, you know, wine, beer, spirits, whatever, there isn't that, there aren't as many drinks that kind of have that same level of near ubiquity in people's lived experience. And I think that even, even goes beyond something else to something else, which is that almost everyone, not everyone maybe, but almost everyone has tried cooking before. Right. And even if it's something as simple as, you know, boxed macaroni and cheese or whatever, or making, you know, a a French toast or something very simple. Everyone's at least tried it once in their life. But a lot of people have never tried to make a cocktail. They've never certainly made beer or wine. And maybe the most they've done is open a can or a bottle and pour it in a glass. And so there, and because that's like the least interesting thing to watch, there's not a lot in that. I do think that that maybe there's there even if you're right, Adam, that that producers and networks have not been willing to take many risks with drinks. I do think there is something about how it's it may be a little harder to connect with people through an experience that they just may not share. I mean, I, I think it's easy for us as people in this field to to forget. Like 
you know, even for lots of people who can, who we think of as maybe relatively sophisticated, they've never made a cocktail. Or I mean, the most they've done is put gin in a glass and add tonic water, which is a great cocktail, but not very challenging. And so the the step from there to, to making even a, a classic cocktail to say nothing of something that's created on the fly just feels so outside of their experience that they can't maybe put themselves in the person, you know, the person who's doing it on screen's shoes. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's, it's hard to describe everything that's happening or, or what you're tasting. I do wonder, you know, if, cause you mentioned cocktails, right? I do wonder if ultimately that will, that is the show that actually could do well. On I was just going to say, I feel like they're, you know, with just considering TikTok alone and the type of content, like cocktail content on TikTok that has performed well and gotten people like millions of followers. I wonder if now after the past year, especially a drinks show could could work. Well, I've wondered why, like, Speed Rack, as an example, which if you guys aren't, I mean, I know you, uh, I know Joanna, you and Adam are familiar, but listeners, I don't know if you're familiar, is, is a, a a cocktail competition that sort of fuses, you know, um, craft cocktail bartending and speed. It's a competition. Um, the competitors are all women. They have great backstories. It's super exciting. I've been to live uh, competitions in Seattle a number of times, and it always is super engaging. And I've always been baffled at how that hasn't been something that could be, you know, it's not going to be top chef potentially, but I like, it's got everything that I think you would want, including like a very frantic visually Mm -hmm. kind of stimulating thing because yeah, bartending is the one thing in here that really meets some of the same needs that cook that a cooking show does, right? Where you're doing, someone is doing a lot of things. You know, the problem with wine and beer is a lot of times the people are just, yeah, sitting there sipping and talking, and so it can never be, and I agree with producers on this point, it can never be the centerpiece of a show, right? And, and you know, it either has to be, you know, in wine, a wine thing maybe has to be a travel show more and, and through the lens of wine or a beer thing. I'm not sure. Maybe you can figure out something else. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's about the personalities more than anything else. But like, but but just making drinks can be very, I mean, again, I bartended and people would sit there at the bar. Not that I was some great bartender, but they would sit there at the bar because they do this at every bar when someone's making drinks. And like, you shake something, you strain something, you, you know, you do whatever, you garnish something like people are, it's a spectacle. are captivated because mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's a thing. And, and it doesn't have to be Tom Cruise and cocktail flair bartending, <laughs> although maybe that's what brings it back to, because again, come back to TikTok. That's obviously a big part of what you see on there too. But it, there needs, it, bartending is the thing that seems like it would make sense. And I agree that this is probably where I think you're most right, Adam, that just no one wants to take a chance, which is a shame because God knows every other kind of TV show gets greenlit these days. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, I think, I think this is the one thing that would work. Like if we were to do a, a ama- an amazing, you know, just like cocktail competition show, I think it mm-hmm. could slam. I just think, again, there's, there's a lot of stuff about it. That's really fun. And a lot of people do know what rum tastes like. They do know what tequila tastes yeah. like. So going back to my original example, the producer told me, you know, almost a decade ago, of like, this is why food works and drinks doesn't. I think that kind of answers that issue. I also do think that a drinks program could work, um, you know, focus much more on culture, history, et cetera. Like I think, you know, something exploring, you know, parts of America through drinks and combining it with food really works. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, because even on these food shows, there's there's very few times when people actually do talk about the drinks. But I think that to make it work, it has to come from a much more inclusive place mm-hmm. and it has to be so much less and now i'm talking much more about wine and beer but it has to be so much less sami and ciceroni 
You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it can't be about the analysis in the same way. And there has to be a way, if you're the person who's creating the show, that you figure out and sort of understand very quickly that, you know, a vineyard looks like a vineyard looks like a vineyard looks like a vineyard, right? And, you know, a, a, a tap room or things like that, they all look the same. And so what is it that you're doing that's different, right? Are you showing more of the, the town that it exists in and the people and the places? Because you can walk through someone's vineyard, you know, only so many times before, you know, consumers start saying, oh, I already saw those other episodes where they're also in vineyards. And those vineyards, the grapes were, you know, obviously different, but like th- this pretty much is the same kind of experience they're having at each place. And I think that that's the thing that scared producers so much about wine television and things like that. It's just like, how much do people want to watch the you same know, thing over and over again. Yeah, prof- things that professionals get exam- very excited about, but that consumers are like, yeah, this this just feels like the same. I think you're 100% right. And I also think in addition to that, it's you have to strike a fine balance of wanting to tell interesting and unique stories, but also in the end, in a way that I think is less of a concern maybe with the food show, people then – you, you kind of have to pick things that people could actually go experience, right? Like mm-hmm. wines that people might be able to find. And that becomes like, I wish I could remember, I'm, I'm blanking on the exact name, but I remember, um, you know, one of my favorite just random episodes we've done um, because I found it, I, I found it really, really captivating was Adam, you were there and interviewed the guy on the Island in the Venetian lagoon. And I can't remember what the oh name of the, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that the name of the winery is Venisa, Venisa. <laughs> yeah, Venezia, whatever. And I mean, like, such a fascinating story. I think something that would make for a great episode of TV if everyone, anyone were ever to do it, except for the fact that they make like 500 bottles of wine yeah. a year. And so you can't drink it. You can't like it's it, it's so it's a cool story. And I mean, it was I think it was a you know really interesting story and this great kind of example of, you know, people sort of almost in, you know, maddening obsession with doing something even as like, you know, literally the the <laughs> the sea is like fighting you. And there's something, you know, majestic in that. But again, it's a little hard. Maybe if you're, it's one thing for our podcast to maybe talk about that. It's another thing for a television show to show this and then tell people, and if you want to get it, great, it's a hundred bucks and you'll never be able to find a bottle. Yep. Totally. So, so that you run that difficult balance that I think just with food, you know, yes, some things are are very inaccessible because you have to travel somewhere very, very specific to get them. But the whole point of wine, well, not the whole point, but our point of wine is that it is a way to travel without leaving your house uh, which could be a great thing for a show, but then the wine has to be at least, you know, reasonably accessible to most viewers. I agree. Oh, well, like we solved uh, beverage on TV, but I think we at least sort of uh, uh, uncovered. And seriously, uh, someone you know find that I need this. I need it to exists this on my. On it air. exists on a hard drive <laughs> in my apartment. You're never. I'm not posting it. <laughs> Naomi, please. <laughs> no. But, uh, but yeah, Keith will tell you all about it. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was like, it sort of started to, to, uh, sort of the seed that started having, you know, me think about vine pear and what this could look like and all that stuff, you know, through culture, through beverage, all that stuff. But, uh, Joanna, have have you you ever been on TV? Like for like, I've done a show. I mean, not, well, maybe just a little (laughs) bit, but I'm wondering, like I've done an actual show, like TV show like that. I have not. No. Uh-huh. She's going too soon. Though. Get ready. Oh, that sounds yeah. like uh, news that we'll have to re- reveal some other time. Oh yeah, Joanna and I are going to go shoot a show together in Mexico pretty Very soon. Cool. Anyway, oh, but yeah. but everyone will hear about that in the near future. Until cool. then, guys, uh, stay cool. <laughs> and I will. Uh, I'll see you. I'll, everyone have an amazing Fourth of July weekend. I know the, those of you listening to this are listening to this after the Fourth, but uh, for you guys, I hope you uh, you both have really lovely times and great barbecues as you're doing. And, delicious drinks. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. 
thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.